of it, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, good uh, again. Uh, looking forward to the next several weeks preaching some messages along uh, the lines of the Christmas story. And so uh, th- this morning we're going to be in Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, very famous um, passage here uh, uh, concerning the prophecy of the um, <clears throat> uh, coming Messiah. Uh, of course, God gave to His prophet Isaiah. In fact, uh, show you the, the power of the Word of God. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that um, God gives all Scripture by inspiration, that it's profitable. And uh, you know what? That word inspiration, folks, it means alive. And you know the Scripture is unlike any other book, and that is a live, living book. Amen? Uh, because it's filled with, it is the very words of God. And so this morning, I'm going to preach a message. My text verse is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I believe, Lord willing, next week, my text verse is also going to be Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And two different messages from the same verse, uh, only the Bible can do something like that. Amen? And so I love the Word of God. It's very precious, and I'm thankful for it. So if you find your place, let's stand together as we read this one verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Again, a very uh, famous prophetic verse here. Uh, the Bible says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for uh, the gathering together of your people, Lord, on, on your day. And I pray you'd speak to us today through your word. We need to hear from you today, God. And Lord, uh, the folks didn't come to hear from me. They come to hear from you. And Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you be active in our midst this morning. Pray that you work on our hearts. And Lord, I pray if someone doesn't know you as Savior, they would accept you before it's eternally too late. Bless us, we pray now, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when we think of Christmas time, there's many things that come to mind. Uh, when it comes to the world's perspective, we see the emphasis on a, a lot of different things. It seems like the emphasis is on things like lights and snowmen and, and reindeer and trees and shopping and gifts and cookies and, and Santa and a myriad of other things. Now, I'm not saying some of these things are necessarily wrong, although let me just stop and say this. I'm not a big fan of Santa Claus, amen? I don't think it's interesting. I think it's interesting if you rearrange that word a little bit, what word you get from it, right? And the whole point is to, I believe, rob uh, the honor and glory and the focus where it ought to be uh, on this time of year. But you know what? Most people are missing, even in, in the celebration of things that aren't necessarily wrong and sinful, it seems like uh, the culture is trying to push away the emphasis on on what the whole point of what Christmas is truly about. I think most of us understand this, that Jesus was not born on December 25th. More than likely, He was born in the fall or possibly even the spring. But Christmas is the day set aside to remember the fact that just as our text verse says, unto us a son is given. I want to preach this morning a message entitled this, The Two Sons of Christmas. The Two Sons of Christmas. The first son I want to preach about for a few moments is the Son of God. Amen? The Son of God. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says this, who at sundry, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son 
whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of, word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I don't have time to uh, expound on those verses. There was a lot of doctrine in those verses right there. Amen? And folks, the point of those verses and other verses we're going to look at for a few moments is the fact is that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. In fact, that title, Son of God, is used 48 times in the Bible, and every single one of them is referring to Jesus Christ. Now, you'll find the phrase, Sons of God, but the actual term, Son of God, is referring to our Lord and Savior. John chapter 20, verse 31, the Bible says, But these things are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing you might have life through His name. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, "...and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead." Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, "...seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession." How many more verses do you want, folks? I could take the time and read all 48 of them to you, but folks, let me just say this, the Scripture is very emphatic about the fact that Jesus Christ is the, uh, the Son of God. Amen? That title, Son of God, refers to His deity as part of the triune Godhead. It refers to His power as Creator, His majesty as He sits on His throne, His authority as He speaks the worlds into existence, His justice as every knee will bow unto Him, His judgment as He unleashes His wrath upon an unbelieving world. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 7 through 10, again further explains about Jesus, the Son of God. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. I don't know about y'all, I'm looking forward to that day right there. Amen? And the Bible says, listen, if you're troubled, and uh, uh, rest in the fact that knowing that He be, will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Amen? Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Praise the Lord for the work of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. As the Son of God, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, He fulfilled the law. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, as the Son of God, He came uh, to bring a sword. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 35, He came to put a variance uh, in, a, in a family. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 49, He came as the Son of God to send fire upon the earth. In fact, the Bible likens Jesus as the Son of God to a lion, as a lion. You know, sometimes... <clears throat> When you are preparing a message and, uh, you know, as you're praying and, and God leads you on preparing, sometimes God gives you signs that you are preaching the exact message He wants you to preach. And, uh, and part of my message this morning is talking about how that Jesus Christ is likened, the Son of God, He's likened to a lion. This morning, uh, every Sunday morning, I get texts from different preachers. And this morning, I got a text from a preacher friend of mine. And uh, here's what he said this morning. All right? He said, praying for you this morning, God wants you to work. Unleash the lion today in the Word. Amen. 
Now, why in the world would he say that? He's never sent me that message before. You know, I think God was just saying, that's the message I want you to preach this morning. Amen? And Jesus Christ is likened to a lion. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, to loose the seven seals thereof. And folks, listen to me. Jesus Christ, as, as the Son of God, is likened to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let me tell you some things about this lion of the tribe of Judah. First of all, I want you to know, understand that as the lion of the tribe of Judah, he will roar. Amen? He will roar. The Bible says in Joel chapter 3 verse 16, the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of His people and the strength of the children of Israel. The lion here, as described in Scripture, is not only strong, but he's one of the most ferocious and unmerciful enemies of man. The lion is the semblance of vengeance and judgment. The lion has no mercy. He will pounce on any victim and tear him to pieces with his strong paws and teeth. A lion does not typically regard an innocent child, a loving mother, the aged, the crippled, the rich, the poor. A lion, all he does is tears apart his victims. In our world and in our society, the accused have a chance of escaping justice before the courts of the land. Maybe a false witness, a well-trained lawyer, a dishonest or misunderstanding jury, or a misinformed crooked judge may set free the guiltiest criminal. Well, let me say this, folks, not so with God. One of these days in God's court, all will be brought to ultimate and final justice. There's no way of escape. And as surely as God lives, all men will be brought to, to perfect justice before Him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everyone will give an account of himself to God. There will be no forfeiting of bonds, no breaking out of jail, no payoffs, because the God in whom we serve will have the last, uh, the, the last word and carry out true justice. Amen? You know what that's called? That's called the roaring of the lion of the Son of God. And praise the Lord for the fact that Jesus has that authority. Not only will the lion roar, how about this? The lion will return. Amen? The lion will return. John chapter 14, uh, Jesus left these words to His disciples. I love the, the, these verses. Let not your heart be troubled. Again, we, we, we talked about that already this morning. We've seen that verse about a troubled heart. And truth be told, if we're not careful, it's easy for our hearts to get troubled when we look around and see what's going on in our world today. But Jesus said this, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now listen here. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen? And receive it in myself that where I am, there you may be also. And when we celebrate Christmas and we, and we celebrate the, the coming of the Messiah, we celebrate when He came the first time. We celebrate when He came as a baby in a manger. But folks, let me say this, he's not, next time he's coming, he's not going to come as a baby in a manger, amen? He's going to return as a lion that's going to, re, uh, that's going to roar, and I promise you this, folks, he will one day return, amen? He will one day return. God hasn't forgotten about his promise to send Jesus back to this earth and establish his kingdom. I think with all the things happening right now in our world, here's what I believe. I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God as the lion, is crouched on his haunches, ready to roar and devour his enemies. Amen? I believe we're very close to that. So as the Son of God, 
as the lion. He's going to roar. He's going to return. You know what else he's going to do as the lion? I love it. He's going to reign. Amen? He's going to reign. Right now, God doesn't reign over this earth. He doesn't reign. Now, He is still God, always has been, always will be. But you know what? God's not in charge of things down here, is He not? I mean, it's not hard to look around and see that mankind, by the way, not doing a very good job of it, by the way, as we are messing the, 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 the stewardship of the earth that God wanted for us to have, we're not doing a good job of it, amen? But I'm going to tell you, folks, that's not the way it's always going to be, amen? Because I'm going to tell you, folks, one of these days, the Son of God, the Lion, is going to reign. There's going to be a literal 1,000-year time known as the Millennial Kingdom where Jesus Christ will rule as King of the entire earth. Now that second verse, after our text, all right, we read this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. And a lot of times we kind of stop there and we think that that's the whole context of the passage. It's about Jesus coming as a babe in a manger. And no doubt that was a, a, a prophecy that did happen. But guess what? It doesn't stop. Because there's a reason He came, folks. There's a reason He came. And the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon His kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever. Notice this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen? And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, God keeps His Word, God keeps His promises, and just because God doesn't operate in the time frame we think He should, doesn't mean He's still not going to do what He said He's going to do. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, the line is going to reign. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, uh, this is, of course, after Jesus Christ comes back there at the end of the battle of Armageddon. Notice what it says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Amen? Let me tell you, when King Jesus rules, every wrong's going to be righted, alright? Amen? And everything's going to be the way that God intended for it first to be before we messed it up as mankind. And so we see here this morning, as we talk about the different sons of Christmas, we talk about, the, first of all, the Son of God, who's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And by the way, folks, if this was the only Son of Christmas, we as human beings would be in trouble. Because this Son of God represents justice. This Son of God represents judgment. But you know what, folks? He wasn't just the Son of God. There's a second Son of Christmas. You know what that is? The Son of Man. Amen? He was the Son of Man. In fact, you probably know this, but the Gospels, all the Gospels represent Christ in different aspects of who He was. You ever go to uh, the book there, Revelation, and it talks about those beasts that are before the throne of God, and the beasts have four different uh, uh, faces to them, and you know all those represent a different aspect of Jesus Christ, just as the Gospels represent a different aspect of Jesus Christ. The book of Mark represents Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. That phrase, Son of Man, is used 89 times in the New Testament, and it's describing the one, think about this, that as the Son of God came to this earth to be the Son of Man. Now that title, Son of Man, think about this, is almost is used almost twice as many times as the Son of God. 
In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, for the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Luke chapter 9, verse 56, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now don't misunderstand me. Jesus Christ by no means has ever stopped being the Son of God. He always has been and always will be God. But aren't you thankful for a time He laid aside His position in heaven to come to earth where we were at to be the Son of Man? Amen? Aren't you thankful for that, folks? And by the way, listen, we need to understand this. We need to think about this because it represents, you know what it represents? How much God loves us and cares for us. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to turn to a, another very famous passage of Scripture in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. And this passage describes Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. By the way, He was both, amen? He was and is and always will be the Son of God, but He's also the Son of Man. He was 100% God, but yet when He came to this earth, He was 100% man, amen? He was God in the flesh, Isaiah chapter 53. I want you to understand this, folks, because this passage here describes Jesus in a little bit different way. So when, when we talked about Him, described Him as the Son of God, we talked about His power, we talked about His, His reigning, His ruling, His roaring. But you know what? You notice Him described here a little different way in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read the whole passage, by the way. It's a beautiful passage. And this is church, amen? We read the Bible around here, all right? Isaiah chapter 53, follow along with me as I read this precious passage of Scripture. Notice what the Bible says. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, all these prophecies are talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from the prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off at the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. 
Man, what a powerful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Folks, let me tell you something. The reason we can be saved, the reason we can have our sin forgiven, the reason that we'll be able to spend eternity in heaven is because the Son of God became the Son of Man. Amen? And just as the Son of God is likened to a lion, you know the Son of Man is likened to a lamb? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, just after the verse we read about Him as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, it says this, it says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits sent forth into all the earth. And Jesus Christ, yes, He is the Lion, but folks, listen, before He came as the Lion, He first came as the Lamb. The Bible tells us this about Him. The Bible says that He was the sacrificial Lamb. In order to understand the importance of this, you need to see the importance of this in the Old Testament. And the Bible gave many, many prophecies about the Messiah coming as a sin offering. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He put on Him to grief when thou shalt make, notice this, His soul an offering for sin. Now, in our day and age, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we don't live under the Old Testament law. By the way, thank God for that. Amen? We have a more perfect sacrifice that came for us. But back in those days, the children of Israel lived under a different system. In fact, that whole sacrificial system that was established by God in the Old Testament, it set the stage for the coming of Jesus Christ, who is the perfect sacrifice of God, who would provide the ultimate atonement for the people. The Bible says in... Romans chapter 8, verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And those sacrificial lambs played a very important role in the Jewish religious life and sacrificial system. In fact, you remember when John the Baptist announced Jesus Christ as the forerunner, and he saw Him, and he announced Him as what? The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That meant something to those Jews, by the way. You know, because they understood what it meant for a lamb to be offered as a sacrifice for sin. You go back to the book of Exodus when the children of Israel left the land of Egypt. And you remember that feast that God established for them called the Passover. By the way, Passover of what? The Passover of the death angel. And you know, in order for them to be saved from the death angel, what had to happen, folks? An innocent lamb. By the way, we'll talk about this in just a minute. without spot, without blemish, had to be sacrificed, and the blood had to be applied to the doorpost in order for the angel to pass over. Let me tell you something, folks. What do you think that was a picture of? It was a picture of the one day coming of the, of the Lamb of God that would one day come and shed His blood for mankind. Not only was it a once a year Passover celebration, but there were lambs that were sacrificed daily at the temple in Jerusalem. Every morning and evening, a lamb was sacrificed to atone for the sins of the people. In fact, the time of Jesus' death on the cross corresponded to the time that the evening sacrifice was made in the temple. By the way, study it out, folks. God is a God of order. God is a God of perfect timing. Everything about Christ, all the timing was perfect about it. Amen? His coming, His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, and guess what? Even His return. Amen? It all lines up perfectly with the way God set for things to be set up. So why, again, to us, this seems like a strange system. The concept of payment or restitution is one we can still easily understand. 
The Bible tells us that the wages or the payment of sin is death. And folks, let me tell you something. The truth is this. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. Mankind cannot have a relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the blood. You know why? Because of sin. Amen? And you know what? The Old Testament folks understood that. And when Jesus Christ came, He fulfilled all those prophecies and He died on the cross to make an atonement or to pay for the sins of mankind. Amen? And no doubt, as the Son of Man, He was the sacrificial Lamb. Not only was he the sacrificial lamb as the son of man, how about this? He was the sinless lamb. If you will notice with me as I read a couple passages of Scripture, notice the common theme throughout these passages here. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 3, And the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering. And on the eighth day he shall take two he lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish. Did you notice the common factors there, folks? The lamb had to be spotless. Amen? The lamb had to be sinless. Only a perfect lamb without any kind of imperfection was to be used as a sacrifice for sin. By the way, why was this? By the way, did you notice it wasn't just a a, a lamb without blemish? Did you notice what it said? It was a male of the first year. By the way, who was Jesus Christ uh, when it uh, came to being the Son of Man? He was the firstborn of Mary. Amen? He was a male. He was of the first year. And by the way, folks, let me say this. He was a lamb without blemish. First Peter chapter 1, the Bible says this. Man, don't miss this, church. For as much as ye know. Amen? There's some things in the Christian life you can take to the bank with you. Here's one of them. That ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Praise God for that. Amen? Listen to me, folks. Mankind's salvation couldn't be bought with anything from this earth. Amen? Not with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Listen here. But what was our, our, our conversation? What were we redeemed with, folks? We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Let me tell you something. That's what the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is all about. We preached about it last Sunday night. But folks, let me tell you something. If you take away the virgin birth, you take away His deity. And guess what? You take away His deity, we have no hope of mankind to be saved. Let me tell you, don't let anyone ever talk to you and try to tell you that Jesus Christ wasn't born of a virgin and that Jesus Christ didn't live a perfect, sinless life. Listen, His blood was not tainted with sin as mine and yours blood is. You know what's flowing through our, 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 our bodies this morning? Uh, Sin-tainted blood. Sin nature. Amen? And that's why this week you struggled with temptation. That's why this week, you know what? You struggled with sin. That's why this week we didn't struggle with being bad. We struggled with being good. You know why? Because of our sin nature. That's why. Guess what? Jesus Christ didn't have that. Amen? He was the sinless Lamb of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Don't miss this. Powerful, powerful verse of Scripture. For He hath made Him, that's God the Father, to God the Son, to be sin for us. Let me tell you what that means. When Jesus died on the cross, folks, and God shut the lights out, and for over three hours poured His wrath out upon His Son, He didn't just pay for sin. The Bible says He became sin. 
Why do you think Jesus sweat those great drops of blood in the garden for? You think it was because of the scourge? You think it was because of the crown of thorns? Because of the nails? No doubt that was an anguishing part of his, uh, of his suffering, but that wasn't why he was agonizing. He was agonizing because he knew what it was going to mean by dying on that cross. He was going to become sin for mankind. That's how much he loves us, by the way. By the way, we ought to think about that next time we want to give in to some stupid temptation of the devil, some little tingling of the flesh, something that we want to do because our flesh wants to do it. We ought to think about what it cost Jesus Christ as He hung on that cross. Amen? He became sin for us, listen to this, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What a powerful, powerful verse. Amen? He was the sacrificial lamb. He was the sinless lamb. How about this? He was the supplied lamb. We read the verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Listen to this verse, verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. That word foreordained, it means to know beforehand. It means to foresee. Let me tell you what that means, folks. It means this. Jesus Christ was supplied by God to be the sacrificial lamb before the worlds were even made. Now here's what I've heard sometimes, I've heard people say this. Well, when, when, when man sinned in the garden, God had to look around and figure out some kind of plan He could do to save mankind. Wrong! Let me tell you something, folks. Before God even reached down and decided to speak this earth into existence and speak light into existence and take all His creative power and create what we know as planet earth, before He reached down with His very own hands and out of the dust of ground for mankind and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Let me tell you what God knew. God knew what we would do as mankind. God knew we'd mess it up. God knew that we would sin. And before God even made the world, man, I hope this is a blessing to you. I hope this means something to you this morning. Listen to me, folks. God supplied the Lamb that would pay the sin debt of mankind. Man, what a God. What love. Jesus Christ was supplied before the worlds were even made. Amen? And as the Son of Man, folks, He was that Lamb. He was the sacrificial lamb. He was the sinless lamb. He was the supplied lamb. And what's that have to do with us this morning? What does this message about the two sons of Christmas have to do with me in December of 2021? Let me give you some very practical points of application this morning. All right. Number one is this. Accept Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, as the Lamb of God, so you will not be forced to face Him in judgment as the Son of God, the Lion. Amen? Listen, folks, what was the point of the Son of Man? What was the point of the Lamb? The point of all that was so that we as mankind can choose that payment to atone for our sins. Amen? Now, don't make, make no mistake about it, folks. God is a God of love. Aren't you thankful for that? Boy, oh boy, we could never exhaust the subject as we talk about His great love for mankind. But as much as He's a God of love, you know He's also a God of justice and judgment. As much as Jesus Christ came as the Son of Man, one of these days He's going to judge as the Son of God. By the way, He must. You know why? His justice demands that judgment be carried out on all those who refuse to accept the gift of the sacrificial, sinless, supplied Lamb of God. By the way, how fair it would be of God to just kind of let things go by. 
I mean, how aggravated would you be if something serious happened to your family and, and they caught the criminal and they stood before the judge and the judge is like, well, you know what, we'll just be good on this one. You know what, I'm sure he didn't really mean to do it. It's okay. I mean, how, how angered would you be if justice wasn't served? Let me tell you something, folks. That stuff may get by with mankind. That stuff doesn't get by with God. Amen? His justice must be satisfied. I'm going to tell you something, folks. One day it will. Here's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know what he's saying in these verses? He says, listen, you know what? There's a time of salvation. There's a time where the door of mercy is open. And you know what? You better accept it when the time is right. Because here's the thing, folks. It's not always going to be available. You know what, folks? There is an expiration date as far as when you can, can or cannot be saved. Let me tell you what that expiration date is. First of all, it's the day you take your last breath on this earth. Guess what? No more time. If you haven't made a choice for Jesus Christ when you're alive, no more chances once we leave this earth. Let me tell you what another expiration date is. When God's door of mercy closes. And by the way, it's going to close... Did it not close back in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 when God shut the door on the ark? By the way, they believed once it started raining, but guess what? Too late! And this old unbelieving world, when God begins to pour His wrath out upon it, some of them may decide they're going to believe, but guess what? Too late! The door of mercy right now is still open. That's why He said, now's the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. And so let me just encourage you, as a Christian, or, or, or as, as a person, if you've never accepted the Son of Man as the Lamb, if you've never been saved, if you've never been born again, you better get saved today. Amen? Because notice what the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man. Did you know that? Did you know one of these days when we stand, and we say this all the time, we stand uh, uh, to, to be judged of God? You know it's not the Father going to be doing that? So the Bible says, For the Father judgeth no man but hath committed, listen to this, all judgment unto the Son. By the way, you know why Jesus Christ is going to be the judge? Because He's worthy to be the judge. Amen? Because He paid the price for us. He paid the price for mankind. And because He paid the price, He has the right to be the judge. And He will be one of these days. Amen? So let me just encourage you. Accept Him as the Lamb. Accept Him as the Son of Man. Time is running out. The door's about to be shut. I believe that. Mercy is soon to be given away to judgment, except the Son of Man today. So number one, accept Him. Number two, how about this? Once you've accepted the Son of Man, live a life that pleases the Son of God. Once you've accepted the Son of Man, live a life that pleases the Son of God. Let me show you what God expects from us, okay? You know what? I like to know what the expectations are, okay? That's why before you join this church, uh, if you want to join this church, I give you a copy of the Constitution. And you read through that. And you understand what's expected from you if you want to join the church. Well, you know what? As God's children, surprise, surprise, He expects some things from us. Amen? By the way, why should He not? Look at the high price we've talked about. He already paid for us. Amen? Here's what He expects. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Amen? That was us. Come on now. Don't anybody think that wasn't you. That wasn't me. That was all of us. Okay? We were alienated from God. By the way, not just alienated. We were enemies of God. Okay? Why? 
because of our wicked works. Oh yeah, that's us, amen. Oh, I know that that's not the, you know, uh, uh, health and wealth, uh, everything's good with God message that a lot of people are preaching today, but that's Bible, amen. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God, but aren't you glad you didn't have to stay that way? Yet now hath He reconciled, amen. Thank God for the reconciliation we can have with Him, again, through what? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now notice here, because of that, here we go, you ready? In the body of His flesh, through death, alright, His his atonement, His death on the cross, His literal death for us, now here's what He expects, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. You know what He expects from us, folks? Those three words right there. He expects us to be holy. By the way, there's a word don't get preached on a lot nowadays. Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Okay, this whole idea, well, I'm, you know, I, I just can't help it. I'm a sinner. Let me tell you something, folks. Yes, I understand we deal with the flesh, but quit making excuses for our sin. Amen. We're to be holy before God. Amen? By the way, holiness is a choice. Holiness is a choice. We're to be holy. We're to be unblameable. Amen? We're to be unreprovable. That's talking about the actions, our conduct, our conduct how we live the Christian life. Hebrews chapter 13, he says it again. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Man, you notice how many times the Bible talks about being redeemed by the blood? You you cannot take blood out of salvation, folks. You can't do it. There's some churches that try to take it out of the songbooks. There's some preachers that won't touch it with a ten-foot pole. You're not one of those churches, amen. amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We were redeemed through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, because of that, here we go. You ready? Make you perfect. Now, don't, don't get nervous. That don't mean sinless, okay? That word perfect in the Bible means complete. It means mature. Make you perfect, complete, mature in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is, you ready for this? Well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, we as Christians ought to be mature in our walk with God, mature in such a way that we live a life, the Bible says it, well-pleasing in His sight. Let me ask a very convicting question. Did what we do this week, what we said this week, what we looked at this week, what we listened to this week, how we interacted this week, was it well-pleasing in His sight? Ouch. Right? Come on now, folks. That's where the rubber hits the road. Amen? And, and again, folks, I understand. Until we get to heaven, until we drop this flesh, we'll never be perfect, we'll never be sinless. But as I always say, you don't have to be sinless, but we ought to be sinning less. Amen? We ought to be living a life that is, as the Bible says there, holy, unblameable, unreprovable, well-pleasing in His sight. And by the way, if you do mess up, it ought to bother you. It ought to bother you. The Holy Spirit of God ought to convict your heart and we ought to listen to that conviction and we ought to fall on our knees and get right with God and confess our sin to God and, and say to God that we're sorry and, and by the way, not keep doing it over and over again. Come on now, folks. That's Christianity. Amen? So once you've accepted the Son of Man, hey, let's live a life that pleases the Son of God. By the way, you know why you want to live a life that pleases the Son of God? Because you're going to have to, as a Christian, give an account to Him one of these days. Okay, we've already talked about it before. I won't spend a lot of time on it uh, this morning. Amen. Preacher, this is supposed to be a Christmas message. You're supposed to make us feel all happy and jolly. Amen. 
Well, I pray that if we'll get right with God, we will be happy and jolly and joyful, amen, because we, we get ourselves clean before God. You know, as Christians, you know what? We're going to have to stand before Him and face Him one of these days. Not for our sin, praise God for that, but we will have to give an account of our stewardship. The Bible talks about standing before Him at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to tell you this, folks. Rewards will either be gained or lost based upon what kind of servants we were or were not. Let me tell you what that means. It matters how you live your life as a Christian. It matters whether or not you obey the Bible, whether you don't obey the Bible. It matters uh, if you find what the Bible tells for you to do and you choose to listen to it, you choose to ignore it, folks. I'm going to tell you, it matters. Amen? So how about this? We've accepted the Son of Man if we're saved. Let's live a life that pleases the Son of God. Amen? Because we're going to have to face Him and stand before Him one of these days and give an account of our stewardship to Him. So the two sons of Christmas... Uh, the Son of God, the Son of Man. The Son of God is the Lion, the Son of Man as the Lamb. So I pray this Christmas season we'll be thankful for, we'll praise God, we'll have a good relationship with the sons of Christmas. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.